This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Nuts.com, the simple and convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy nuts and other tasty treats delivered straight to your door. Get four free samples when you go to Nuts.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, and use code NOMEAT, one word. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt, joined as always by Doug, and today we're doing something quick, Doug. Uh, I think it's going to, can we call it an in-between so, like like Tim Ferriss often does? You know, I don't know if we want to call it that. No, no. Think is, that, is that selling it short? I think this is just a, this is just a little quick, quick reference episode. Okay, you want to know what this really is? It's a Matt is on vacation in Florida episode. Uh, but we want to get one done and, and get one up so we don't, we don't fall off our, uh, our weekly pace. And, uh... Not not to say it's going to be bad. I I really love the topic we're talking about today, and I'm looking forward to the challenge of uh, of fitting it into a shorter time slot than we usually do. We're going to try to get this one done in 25 minutes or so instead of the usual 40, um, and we'll we'll see what happens. So how's so, your how's your trip so far in Florida? The trip has been wonderful so far. We've we went to the uh, east coast of Florida for one day with my dad. Now we're on the west coast, staying with Sig and Evelise from uh, Food Pharmacy, which is the the company that put on the event that I spoke at down here uh, a couple weeks ago with Garth Davis, and I liked the area so much that I, I brought the family back for my, my son's spring break. So we are doing a little bit of beach stuff. Today's a stormy day, though, which makes it a uh, good podcast day. All right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, today's topic is one that we learned about. We're, we're actually discussing a blog post that was written on pre- precisionnutrition.com. The title of the post is The Three Absolute Worst Health and Fitness Goals You Must Avoid. Uh, so it's an interesting article. It's one that we learned about through Further, which is uh, a newsletter that you and I both subscribe to by a guy who I guess we can call him a friend, Brian Clark. Um, he has included one of one of your articles, Doug, one of your running articles in, in the newsletter one time. But a very cool newsletter is at further.net, uh, just like a weekly digest of all the good stuff on the web um, related to, I guess, is it health, wealth, and happiness? That's right. Yep. So not, it's not vegan specific or running or anything like that, but uh, it's a great, well-rounded newsletter, really good articles that he pulls every week. Yeah, about about topics that, that are interesting. And I think there's a lot of overlap in the people who are interested in you know happiness and health particularly, uh, sure. and then the wealth side of it too, because he's, he's a business guy and that's always been his thing is making money online. Um, so anyway, very good newsletter. He, he featured this article as his, as his number one and, and kind of said that the points in here were, were the reasons why he, when he started this newsletter further, which was, which was a year ago, uh, he was 30 pounds lighter and and close to, I guess the best fitness, best shape of his life. And now he's slid most of the way back. Um, this still being Brian Clark, the author of further, not the author of this, this precision nutrition article, but he, he linked to the article and he said, here's, here's what I, what I did wrong and and how I'm going to get things back on track, uh, by setting goals the correct way. Uh, which of course piqued our interest because we talk a lot about goal setting. It's something that, uh, I, I tend to talk about that a lot. Like when I, when I did my book tour back in 2013, I spoke in a bunch of cities in, in a very, you know, two month period, just lots and lots of dates. Um, I talked a lot about goals. I talked about running, and I talked about uh, nutrition, all kind of in the in the context of my story of of trying to qualify for Boston. And goals became the part that everyone liked of the talk. Like that's that's what the feedback was always um, 
was, you know, someone would come up at the end and say, hey, I really like that goals talk. Or later, a few months later, I'd get an email from someone who said, hey, that goals part of the talk really motivated me, and I went and did whatever. Um, so nowadays, when I'm giving these talks, I've kind of just, uh, I don't know, compressed the talk to only be about, be about the goal-setting thing. Uh, I've touched on the other stuff, but the goal-setting has really expanded to become an entire 30- or 45-minute talk as needed, and... Uh, you know, I, I just—it's something I've been thinking about a whole lot. Still, not not just in the set big goals thing, but also in the ideas of how do we effectively set them, and then how do we how do we start going after them? And, and that goes back to the habit change stuff. So, of course, this article uh, is one that interested me, and you know, I don't entirely agree with all of it, Doug, and I don't think you do either, right? I do not. No. Yeah, and and we we disagree at the same point. So uh, <laughs> we agree in our disagreement. Um, but it's by a guy named John Berardi, who's a PhD. I think I've heard his name before, maybe from Tim Ferriss's book, uh, Four Hour Body. I'm not quite sure about that, but he, I think this guy does know his stuff. So, um, I'm not totally sure what, what his background with goal setting is. I think he's more of a fitness physiology guy. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it and we will see. I'm interested to hear what people think about this. Um, so, so the article is is titled, as I said, the three absolute worst health and fitness goals you must avoid. Not exactly what the article is about because it's not really he he doesn't really talk about specific goals you need to avoid. It's just it's just three kind of um, ways of setting goals that that you don't want to do, according to John Berardi. So the first one is is he, he's basically telling you to turn your outcome goals into behavior goals. So the example, some of the examples that he that he cites here. Are and I think this is probably easier than than trying to explain because it takes him many words to do it. Uh, the difference, but just just to give examples, so he lists lose ten pounds as an outcome goal. The behavior goal is eat till satisfied instead of stuffed at each meal. So I think that pretty much um, sums it up. Another one would be squat more weight would be an outcome goal, but the behavior goal is squat three times a week at various intensities. So I think the idea here is that is that the outcome goal is is what we tend to set. We tend to say I want to go have this this you know bright shiny object or or this intangible bright shiny object this accomplishment and he's saying that we shouldn't do that instead we should focus on behavior we should we should focus on something that we can control day to day uh and and you know start making the change right now rather than having this this outcome goal so that's this is actually the part that i disagree with most because the other stuff in the article i i actually do tend to agree with uh but but i i have a serious problem with this because I, I feel like kind of what he's giving here is he, he's telling you how do you how do you go about achieving an outcome goal that you set. And that's that answer, of course, yes, is focus on that little tiny small step behavior that you take each day. Um, but I don't really think it's a good idea to replace the big exciting outcome goal with with the behavior goal. Because I think I think suddenly then you lose this the entire motivation power that that, you know, that that's the reason for me in many ways to to set the big goals. Doug, you, uh, you're on the same page with me there, right? Yeah, I am. I think that the outcome goals are often what get us the most excited, like you said, and they're often the ones that, that come to mind. You know, they are, they are what we're trying to achieve. So if, if we want to run a marathon or if we want to lose 10 pounds, um, that's going to be what keeps us motivated and it's not going to be eat until satisfied because, I mean, that for one is, is a very subjective behavior, right? You know, how do you know when you're satisfied? Uh, your, your tongue might be telling you it wants more saw, it wants more more food and, and you might not feel full necessarily. Um, but then, so you, you'll just keep on eating and then by the, you know, then you might end up stuffing yourself. Um, so I, you know, I think that having that, that bigger goal, that bigger outcome goal 
is is something that you can really get behind and you can shape your behaviors uh, in a way that that lead you to that outcome goal. And you could, if you're smart about that outcome goal, you can break it down and, and set all these new behaviors. Whereas if all you're doing is changing into a small behavior, then then that's easily forgotten and, and less uh, less exciting, less motivating. I think. Yeah. So I mean, and I in total fairness here, right in the, under the the first header when he says. Um, you know, focus on behavior goals instead of outcome. He, he's not saying it has to be one or the other. He, he's saying, technically, what he says is turn outcome goals into behavior goals. And he goes on to say that it's okay to have the 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 first goal out there, but there's nothing wrong with that. But that it's not enough. But that then we need to go further and actually have this this behavior goal. Um, so so that part I I kind of do agree with. I just I don't really like the way it's presented. It sort of seems like it, it means. Don't don't have this. Instead, have this. Um, this a way that I think a, a different framework for thinking about this is one that I have learned from from like the business world, and it's something I wrote a post about uh, last week. By the way, we should give the URLs for this article if anyone wants to read it. Um, it's it's precisionnutrition.com/slash/fitness-goals. Um, I wrote one last year called it's at nomi.dash or slash habit dash tracking, and. Uh, that one really is about is about the difference between lead measures and lag measures, and and basically what 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 we're talking about here is that the outcome goal is a lag measure, the behavior goal is a lead measure, and what those are is that um, you can think of of the lag measure of, as something that doesn't change very quickly that you don't have immediate control over over you know how how it's how it's doing. Um, but with a lead measure, it's something that you do have kind of day-to-day instantaneous control. So a really good example, a common example, even that's given in the business world, they go back to fitness and they say if someone's trying to lose weight, their their lag measure is their actual body weight. That's the thing that they that they care about moving, that they want to see move. That, that in this case is the outcome goal. Um, but the lead measure, the thing to actually focus on in the moment each day is – you know, for a lot of people, the the lead measure of that is how many calories did I take in, and possibly how many calories did I expend, and and the difference. So the whatever the deficit, the caloric deficit is, um, that caloric deficit becomes your lead measure. And and it's I you don't focus every day on did I lose a tenth of a pound today because that's you know that's the magnitude of of weight loss that you're probably talking about. It's it's did I do my my little lead measure thing? Did I did I keep the lead measure on track? Did I keep the caloric deficit uh, where it needs to be? So. Not to say we're entirely dis- disagreeing, because I think he's. I think the author here is is saying that that that's what you want. You want to have these these lead measures for every lag measure. Um, but I don't think it's. A, I don't think we should certainly not give up on that outcome goal. I think that is is where all the power is. To me, there's there's very very little, perhaps no power uh, in the idea with you know if the if for someone who's trying to lose weight that I want to lose or, or sorry I want to eat. 500, I want to have a caloric deficit of 500 calories today. I want to eat 500 fewer calories than I am expending, um, and I just want to do that. Like there, There's nothing there. There's no energy. There's, there's no emotion with that. There's nothing exciting. What's exciting is, is what the ultimate result of that is, and then further, not just the number of saying I want to be 20 pounds lighter, but thinking about all the things that that would mean in your life. What would it mean? You know, How would you feel? How, how much more energy would you have? What would you look like? Whatever of these things will motivate you. Uh, I think that's that's totally where the power is, and that's uh, that's something I think uh, you know. In addition to focusing on this lead measure, I think the that that outcome goal needs to be kind of in the front of your mind all the time. That's the motivating reason to do this. Uh, so maybe you're not tracking it as as closely as you, as you are the 
the behavior goal or the lead measure. But uh, it's absolutely something I think that that should be there. I mean, it's always the reason for doing something. So I don't think um, in any way is that is that a, a fitness goal you must avoid. You know, I, I just don't think that's right. that's the right wording for that at all. And and one other thing I would say is that the behavior goal or the or the lead measure should constantly ad- be adapting or progressing. You know, maybe if it's a 500 calorie deficit lead measure, then you don't want to turn it to an 800 calorie. That's not what I'm saying. But that as you're losing weight or as you're, um, you know, gaining in strength to run that marathon, you're, you're adjusting your, your behavior, uh, to help you progress along closer to that end goal, that big one, that outcome goal. Yeah. Right. So, so there's no one saying that, that when you create that lead measure, that, you only get the chance to create your lead measure one time, and you have to keep that until you you have achieved your goal. Because you totally might shift. Like if my huge behavior or my huge outcome goal slash lag measure uh, was qualified for Boston, then you know the first year of that journey, it might be about learning how to run without injury, and it might be about right. uh, you know doing some stretching routine before every run, or or you know just getting in my twenty minute slow run every day. And these are the kind of the steps I was trying to fool around with even back like within that same category of running uh those are two things that i tried two sort of lead measures that without knowing it that i was focusing on for a little while um but then you know in year five it became much more about diet and so like there's no reason to think that you have to stick with with the same lead measure and and not to imply that that berardi here is is saying that you do um we're just you know just giving general advice here i think yep exactly Okay, so let's move on to his step two. Uh, his step two is turn avoid goals into approach goals. So I'm just going to, again, skip down to his, uh, his examples here. And avoid would be stop snacking on junk food. He's saying we should turn that into an approach goal, like snack on cut-up fruits and veggies prepared in advance. And then in this case, he gives a benefit. Fruits and veggies are good for me, and this helps me get more of them. Um, so again, without, without reading the full article, the benefit isn't going to be totally clear just because we don't have time to get into this entire thing. So I, I really highly do encourage, I, I highly encourage you to go read it, um, because it is a good article. It just, you know, there's some things that we're discussing, of course, that we do and do not agree with. Uh, this one I actually love. I think this is fantastic advice that, that there's, there's not much exciting and, and I don't know about, you know, I'm always a little bit skeptical to get into the new age stuff and and this you know the nlp stuff which is neuro-linguistic programming this idea that our brain can't actually understand what a negative is so if you if you tell your brain over and over stop snacking on junk food basically what your brain hears is junk food and it doesn't really understand the negative i've read plenty of personal development books where the author just makes that claim the brain doesn't understand negatives and i have such a, a problem with with that because <laughs> it's like I, I, surely our brains understand negatives but but perhaps on some level there, there's something that that when you have when you say stop snacking on junk food that is putting the focus on to junk food and maybe um maybe maybe the command stop is 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 lost because because we're just our focus moves to that and maybe that's what we're trying to avoid right so um you know i don't i'm saying i don't understand the the mechanism i don't know why this is but I, I just think it's great advice. I think there's not much, uh, I don't know, like stop smoking doesn't carry with it a lot of what, what, what I like so much about big goals, right? It doesn't bring with it um, the that emotional sort of drive that just makes you like can't wait to get up the next morning when you're lying in bed at night, uh, can't wait to, to get up and, and work more on this change tomorrow. I feel like when it's stop smoking, it's it's just 
all you're doing is thinking about this this terrible habit you have that that you know who knows how long it's been a part of your life and has all these awful associations with it. Um, if instead the goal is whatever you're gonna whatever stopping smoking is going to make you whatever whatever you're giving up smoking for you know so that you have health with your grandkids when, and when they're I don't know old enough for you to play with them um, or so that you can run an Ironman or, or not run do an Ironman. Um, whatever it is. But I think all those exciting things, those things that we want to do instead of the activity we're trying to give up, uh, I think that's where the excitement is. So I totally agree with this. I think it's a great idea. Don't have, uh, you know, stop doing this negative thing goal. Instead, make it start doing this positive thing. I think that's a really, really good advice. I, you know, I agree with you for the most part, but the, the only concern here is that when you, when you replace the negative avoid goal with something positive with a like a positive action or, or habit instead you kind of it doesn't necessarily eliminate the, the the negative activity so if it stops smoking for example and and your you shift your goal to being healthy and running a marathon um you know you can still you can still smoke some and do that you know you're not completely eliminating um smoking altogether or if it's to stop eating sugar uh you know, if that's the if that was the goal, and, and instead you you eat fruit instead of desserts or something like that, then you can still eat sugar at other times, right? And so I think that there's kind of a fine line between um, shifting it to an approach goal and to a positive goal, and and not and and losing focus on the the main negative to begin with. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, and I think I think you're right about that. I think I think there are a lot of ways to to slice this um, and just look at, I mean, and another, another issue that that brought up for me is kind of that. I think at least in the examples that he's giving here, um, it, it's almost like the, the approach goal that, that he's replacing it with um, is just, is another example of the behavior goal. So if, if the whole goal is using his example, stop snacking on junk food, it seems like a decent lead measure for that or, or behavior goal for that. Would be every time I feel like snacking on junk food, I'm going to instead snack on cut up fruits and veggies that I've already prepared in advance. I'm going to have them in the fridge and I'm going to go get those. To me, that seems like your lead measure. In fact, my lead measure would probably be the the easiest possible thing to control, which is did I prepare fruits and veggies in advance each morning? And I think right. that's a that's a wonderful lead measure because it doesn't require willpower. It's not an in the moment thing mm-hmm. where you need to you need to fight the urge to eat the junk food. Um, so I think I think the approach goal there is is a really good example of a of a behavior outcome, or sorry, a behavior goal. Um, so yeah, I think I think you're right, Doug. It's almost like we could make the let's make some positive version of the of the avoid goal our our main outcome goal, our lag measure, and then let's let's use the approach goal as our lead measure. So you know, I, I think. Uh, I hope we're not we're not getting carried away with the terms here and, and making people you know lose us, which I think is a possibility. If, you, if you're on a run right now, I think I would be really confused. If I was <laughs> yeah, I think if you're looking at this stuff, it might be somewhat easier. But um, I don't know. I think I I think in general it's a good idea. The the stop doing this is generally not a good goal. Um, one of the things that I've I've learned is, is that when we when we remove something, when we remove some habit that we are used to doing. Uh, our body searches for something new that that will meet that same need. Right? We we do these habits to meet some sort of need we have. Right? If it's smoking, then there's some sort of relaxation need that we get, or some sort of satisfaction need 
uh, and we get this, we get some benefit from that behavior, even if it comes at a tremendous cost long term. Uh, we get some sort of benefit, and if you remove that thing that is that is bringing you this short term benefit, well, then your brain is is going to search for some other way to meet that need. Uh, so I think I think that other way, what, you better have something lined up. Is basically what I'm saying. If you don't, if you if there's just now a void, well, then really quickly you're going to be pulled back to smoking because you're not going to be meeting that need, and pretty soon you're you're going to cave and you're going to say, well, I just really really want a cigarette this time, so I'm going to go do it, and then you're then you're back on the wagon. Uh, so I think I think it's a really good principle. I mean, you need to replace whatever you're trying to stop with something new, something else that is meeting the need of that bad habit. Um, so I think I think that's a reasonable thing. Um, you know, have 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 your goal be to replace this one thing with this other thing. Maybe that's that's the the exciting goal rather than just stop doing this this bad thing. Yeah, I agree with that. So we got one more here, but why don't we take a minute to thank our sponsor? Okay, let's do it. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Nuts.com. Nuts.com is the simple and convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy nuts and other tasty treats delivered straight to your door. They have everything from your traditional nuts and nut mixes to chia seeds, sprouted almonds, dried goji berries, even protein powders and other seeds for your smoothies. Matt, last week I announced that I had just placed an order with Nuts.com and I'm happy to, to say that that order has arrived and it is great. I ordered some jumbo medjool dates, raw cashews, spirulina powder, pumpkin seeds, herbal tea, matcha tea, and organic chia energy squares. I also got some matcha tea. I got, like your chia squares, I got pecan date rolls, Mm. uh, got the aforementioned goji berries as well, and some wheatgrass powder. So we are fully stocked. Our smoothies uh, have have been more delicious and nutritious than ever. And right now, new customers can get four free samples of $15 value when you go to nuts.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, and enter my code NOMEAT. That's nuts.com, and enter my code NOMEAT, one word, for four free samples with your order. All right, let's get back to the three absolute worst health and fitness goals you must avoid. Must avoid. Uh, and let's get to number three here. This is the final one. Uh, and that is to turn performance goals into mastery goals. So skimming down to examples. A performance goal would be beat a personal record in the half marathon. A mastery goal, work on running elegantly, efficiently, and smoothly. Watch video of self-running and identify technique elements to improve, then incorporate these into training plan. So that's just one. Again, really, I do highly encourage people to go check this out. I, I almost feel bad that we're that we're just reading subheads and then going down to the chart where he gives examples. Um, because if that, I've written the you know probably probably thousand words or so that that fill in the gaps here. Uh, so it's really important to understand the rest of this article. I don't think we're being completely fair, um, but I do like the topic, and I think I think to, to try to fully go through the article wouldn't really make sense for a podcast anyway. Um, so, what do we think about performance versus mastery? I mean, I, I like, I really like the idea of let's focus on mastery, not on dabbling, right? Because so many people just set some goal, and it might be the big, exciting goal, but what happens is they they dabble in it and and they work on it for a month or maybe two weeks and and really go for it, and then you know when it gets hard because in the beginning you you probably experience some success and you you grow quickly, you learn quickly. Um, your performance in whatever it is you're doing improves quickly, and and then you hit the plateau where suddenly it gets hard, and this is the part where everybody quits because it gets hard. Speaking of concepts like the dip, like we talk about a lot of times, um, 
that's when that's when dabblers give up, right? They just that's it got hard, and now that's that's that obviously wasn't for me, or I'm not meant to do that, or I don't have a gift for that, so I move on. Uh, I think committing to actually mastering something uh, and with a big plan. This is something that we just did in the Nomad Athlete Academy, Doug. We talked about uh, looking at at the year ahead of running. Now that it's spring, we said let's let's think about running season and and the the basically the fall and spring running seasons that we had have ahead of us. Um, and think about kind of a back to basics approach to training and really look at everything and try to get all the components that are required here. Um, not just, not just with running and how to set up your training schedule or how to get started running again. Uh, but how to, how to, how do you incorporate cross training? Uh, what about strength training? Things like this. So like, I think that's kind of a mastery approach. Certainly it's not mastering it just to, just to go over it in an hour long seminar. Um, but but that that approach saying I need all these components and I'm going to work on each of them individually that that is an approach you know a kind of a mastery approach so I really like that I, I like the idea that we're talking about mastery versus just dabbling um, but I I don't fully understand the difference here like when I when I read this the example that a performance goals beat a personal record in the half marathon and the mastery goals work on running elegantly efficiently and smoothly and then a bunch more stuff it sort of sounds to me like like what we're talking about again is replacing an outcome goal, let's beat a personal record in the half marathon, with a behavior goal, which is work on running elegantly, efficiently, and smoothly. It's just that that now instead of one behavior goal, we've kind of added a whole lot so that it seems like mastery. Uh, so basically, instead of, we, ha- we still have one lag measure, beat a personal record in the half marathon, but now our lead measures are just you know four or five things that we need to work on instead of one. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't know. It seems to me that sort of the execution here is a little bit confusing. I don't totally see the difference, um, in, in, you know, from this, from the other examples. And maybe that's just kind of the nature of the topic that it's hard to, to kind of separate the stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. What do you think there, Doug? Yeah. You know, I, I kind of disagree with this one too. And I'm realizing now that I, Uh-oh. in some ways I disagree with all three of them. Um, wow. but you know, I, I have nothing wrong with setting performance goals. I, I do think that if you are going, if you want to become the best runner you can be, if you're someone like me or or just or you're really focused on running, then then shifting your goal to mastering the art of running or the art of cooking or painting or whatever it is, um, is, is a really good approach and that's a good mindset to be in and that's a great way to, to set your goal. But at the same time, I think performance goals are, are really cool. You know, I, I mean, I... Uh, you know, I, I want to learn how to play the guitar a little bit. I don't want to master the guitar. <laughs> I don't want it to become this huge focus of my life. I want to, we're talking about getting a new dining room table and we're talking about um, working with my neighbor and me building it myself. And, and I don't want to become a master woods work, woodsman. We're, what are you, wood worker. <laughs> so woodsman. <laughs> woodsman, woodworker. Uh, uh-huh. You know, but I would love to be able to make this own, you know, make my table. And I, and I see nothing wrong with setting the goal of, of making that table or or learning how to paint, basically, or, you know, that that kind of thing. I, I think that you don't have to go after only mastery goals. You can do performance goals and, and be a jack-of-all-trades in some different ways. Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a totally fair point. And I bet that the author here, John Berardi, I bet he would agree with that, that that is totally fine. Uh, in in the things that you are okay with dabbling in, like that that is totally fine to to just go after performance goals, and not not care so much about about mastering those things. Um, so I, I I bet he'd be okay with that. I, I think I sense he's probably talking about things that are really important to you. Sure. Um, 
but I don't I don't know for sure. Yeah, I, uh, well, mostly I just want to make it clear that, that I don't think that perf- you know if, if you do want to dabble a little a little bit, if you do want to set just a minor performance goal, then then that's I'm saying that that's not a bad thing. That you should be encouraged to do that. You should be encouraged to put yourself out there and try something new. Yeah, I like that. And you know what? I have a lot of trouble adopting that philosophy in my life. Like I just when, whenever I get into something. I get motivated, and probably because I read the personal development stuff so much and just get so into the the big, crazy goal setting that, like, if I think of a little goal, and this is how I got into running. I thought of some little dabbling-type goal, and for me it was, it might have been, run. I think it was run a half marathon. And then my friends and I suddenly wanted to run a marathon, and then we said, no, we're going to actually qualify for Boston during this first marathon, which, of course, we didn't do um, by a long shot, not for seven years. But I think my my brain tends to, when I when I get into something and start to set some little like just I'm gonna just put myself out there and do this fun little diversion for a while. If it's an interesting thing, I I want to make it into a mastery thing, and I want to to do that. And, and this is not to, any mean trying to toot my own horn and say that that that's why I've mastered so many things because I, I haven't. I mean, I, it's it's just <laughs> it doesn't it's not that effective in an approach. But this is something that's something I definitely really struggle with. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I, and I think that's a good way to decide what it is that you do want to master. Is if you can, if you can say, you know, I, I'd be interested in pottery, and I'm going to take this weekly pottery class for a semester, and and then you know maybe that's all you do with it, or you get really into it and you decide you want to master. It. But if you dabble in different things, if you try out new things, and that can really shape what you what you do become passionate about. I have one final thing here. This is this is uh, an agreeing with the author thing. He says that the problem with performance goals really is that they are associated with external validation, right? That it's that it's doing something so that you get applause or or whatever are seen as someone who qualified for Boston. Like to use my own example, um, that there's this external validation motivation, but that the real growth comes from when you get intrinsically motivated. And this is true in in forming habits, right? That that. Uh, we talk about the habit loop and the the trigger, the action, and then the reward. And that when that reward is external, it's okay. But when it gets to the point where the behavior is its own reward, where you are just so happy to be doing this thing and you have this intrinsic reward for it, that's when the habit really starts to stick uh, because you have this really powerful intrinsic reward. And that just seems by nature to be way more powerful than the external rewards are. Um, so I, I totally agree with that. But I... I think for me, like, and that's that's what happened with running. Like, I went from someone who wanted to run the Boston Marathon to be there, be cheered for by this huge crowd, to once I failed and missed it by by a hundred minutes the first time I tried, I suddenly realized like what a huge goal that was, and and I started to think about how you know what shape would I have to be in to do that, how motivated, how disciplined, how how uh, just organized in my in my thinking, how tough, all these things, how 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 great would I have to be to do that. And then it became this intrinsic motivation to want to qualify, not to, not to want to run Boston, but to be someone who could who could get myself to qualify. So that shift happened. But I feel like if I wouldn't have had the big, huge performance goal at first, then I never would have gotten to the point where I discovered that that intrinsic motivation. So you know, I totally agree there. Intrinsic much better than than external validation for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'm not ready to to just cast off the the huge, big outcome performance goal. Because uh, I think that that could be kind of the lever or the or the tool that that um, you know starts to to get you to the point where you you finally see and experience that intrinsic motivation. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, we are uh, we are just about at our at our hard deadline here, Doug. Um, 
but this has been fun. I, this is something we wanted to do for a while. I kind of break down a blog post and talk about the parts we agree and disagree with. So I'm glad we got to do it with a topic like goal setting. Hopefully people have just taken some new distinctions from here, uh, whether you agree more with, with what we've said or what uh, John Berardi said. Again, this is at precisionnutrition.com slash fitness dash goals. It's a really good, interesting article, so go read it, please. And, uh, and that, that's all we got today. We'll be back uh, next week, as always, and uh, we'll, be, we'll have a new topic for you. Sounds great. Enjoy the rest of your trip, Matt. Thank you, Doug. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.